Shalom and blessings. This is Pastor Clifton McDowell Sr. here at the Church of God of East New York, located in the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray this week's sermon blesses and encourages you for the journey. God bless. Now enjoy the sermon. God bless you. Amen. Again, happy Mother's Day. Thank God for Amen, this wonderful worship team and this wonderful worship band and for, amen, the worship techs and security and everybody that, amen, that comes together in collaboration to make sure that we stay engaged, to make sure that we are staying connected, that the worship of God as we keep lifting up Jesus, amen, together. We believe on this Mother's Day that God is pleased by honoring our parents. When we honor our mother and honor our father, I believe God is pleased. In fact, it is something that God commands in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. He commands us to honor our fathers and our mothers, which is the first commandment with a promise attached. And so on this Mother's Day, we commend you and challenge you to find a way to honor your moms in some way. Today, as we bring the word, I want to share with you from this theme, a godly mother's example. A godly mother's example. We want to bring your attention to um, the book of Samuel, the first book of Samuel, chapter 1. 1 Samuel is the ninth book in the Bible. It is the book directly after Ruth, which is, the, which is one of two books in the scriptures that is named after a woman. The book of Ruth, then comes 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting at verse 1. It says, there was a certain man from uh, Rephaim, a Zephite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, Elkanah, son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and the Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other Penina. Penina had children, or Peniah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two men, sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's wombs, her, her rival, her adversary, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. You ever met anybody like that? They just wanted to irritate you? I know you have. They went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, Cana, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why, do you, why don't you eat? 
Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly as she stands at the tent, as she stands at the door of the tent, the tabernacle. They're not in a, a, a temple built with stones. They're not in Solomon's temple or, or Herod's temple. It is the tabernacle of Moses and and. Eli is sitting at the, the door or the opening of the tent. She comes and she stands at the opening and she begins to weep bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. He's just looking at her. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but a voice was not heard. Tears coming down. Her face is in anguish. Her lips are moving, but no words are coming out because she's praying within. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? How long? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. She stood up. She looked up. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli backs up and Eli answers, go in peace. And he agrees with her and he blesses her. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went her way and ate something. And her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and they worshiped before the Lord again. And then they went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband Elkanah went up with her, all his family to offer annual sacrifices to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there forever, always. Do what seems best to you. Her husband, Elkanah, told her, stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her. Young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull as an, an infant of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought, they brought the boy to Eli, both her husband and she, and she said to him, pardon me, 
my Lord. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I pray for this child. I prayed for this child. And the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Praise the Lord. Much of the Old Testament the Old Testament's historical books are devoted to the events that surround leaders of Israel, kings and prophets and judges. In fact, the majority of First and Second Samuel centers around the prophet Samuel, who is both prophet and judge. It centers around him and the two kings he will come to anoint, Saul and David. But in the opening of the book, the focus is on an average Israelite family where the mother, because of her anguish, because of her pain, and the saintly way in which she and her husband handle themselves, they are the focus. You see, God is looking for people whom he can trust to bless. I wonder... Can God trust you to bless you? I'm so glad in this account that there's a wife and a mother that's named Hannah that God finds can be trusted. He builds on her devotion and building on that devotion, God will provide through her Israel's future deliverer. God takes the weakness and barrenness of people to demonstrate his might. Scripture says that it's in our weakness that his strength is highlighted. Samuel's family, his family line is a priestly line. In fact, his family line were the ones originally responsible for caring for the Ark of the Covenant. Hannah's inability to conceive children may well have been the reason why Eli is said to have two wives. It would appear that Hannah is his first wife, but over time finding out that she cannot bear children, he takes a second wife. Now understand this, the text is not advocating polygamy. It is not advocating polygamy for our times, even though it does not condemn Elkanah. The practice of multiple wives was always and will always be less than God's ideal for his people. That's why, although it was part of that culture in that part of the world, it is never promoted, it is never approved in Scripture. It is clear as we read the New Testament, as we read the Old Testament, wherever this was practiced, polygamy resulted in problems, dysfunction, confusion, misunderstanding, favoritism. So while Elkanah is following the cultural customs of the area, especially in light of Hannah's barrenness, this is not 
part of the timeless truths of scriptures that we are to apply to today's context. And yet even now we see that God was patient and gracious even when people strayed from his design. In this ancient social setting, the most important role for a wife was to bear children. Men of financial means, a men who owned businesses, families who had, a, had wealth, had acquired wealth, they needed an heir, a male heir that could inherit the business, that could continue to gather wealth for the family line. And so to have a wife who could not bear children, she suffered embarrassment and shame. To have to see another woman provided for her husband, it would appear that this brother, Elkanah, had to find another wife in order to bear children. And so from all appearances, it looks like his family, his family will continue, not through the wife he loves, but from the wife He's taken because his wife, Hannah, is barren. Hannah's intense emotional and social pain is exacerbated by the insufferable cruelty inflicted on her by her counterpart. The scripture describes a man, her as an adversary, as a rival, Penina kept provoking Hannah to irritate her. This burden was a perpetual one for Hannah because every year, they, at this time of the year, they would go to the festival that would be held in Shiloh. And along the way, she would just irritate her. She would look at it as an opportunity to remind her that she was the one who carried the family name that would carry the family into the future. And while at the Lord's temple, one at Shiloh, Hannah, is weeping. She rises from the dinner and she goes toward the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, Moses' tabernacle, she goes there and she prays earnestly and she makes a vow to Yahweh. It is in despair that she turns to God for help. Her years of barrenness have convinced her that if she's to have any children, that it will be nothing short of a miracle from God. Therefore, she vows not only to return this precious gift to God forever if her prayer is answered, but she also vows she will raise this child, train this child, put this child under a covenant, a vow that's called the Nazarite vow, that never will a razor touch his head. The vow is described in the book of Numbers chapter 6 where a man or woman can make a special vow of separation 
unto the Lord. The vow involves, it, the vow involves a period of time in which the person abstains from wine and any product of the vine. A period of time when there will be no razor on their heads. A period of time where they will avoid anything dead. In the cases of Samson and Samuel, their Nazarite vow was not to be for a period of time. It was to be for a lifetime in which they would be exclusively God's servants. Eli who is the high priest at that time, who is the spiritual leader of the nation at that time. He sees Hannah, he sees her face filled with, with tears and he sees her, her, her face is, is, is in anguish. Her mouth is moving, her head is bowed, but there are no words coming out. And he's unable to discern the significance of Hannah's struggle, the spiritual significance of a struggle, he mistakes her earnestness for drunkenness. Oh God, can you imagine? And he scolds her. She is at her, her weakest. She is, she is broken up inside. She has been aggravated and irritated. No doubt she has on times been ready to throw in the towel and give up. And at this moment of great anguish, she gets scolded. Stop your drinking, woman. How dare you come to this sacred place drinking. Stop it. Put it away. She looks up. Her name means grace. And instead of, instead of lashing out at the high priest, which some of us would have gave him a piece of our mind. You know you would have. But she says, I'm not, I'm not drunk. I am not drinking. I've not drunk beer. I've not drunk wine. I'm in anguish. My soul is troubled. Then he recognizes the faith in her that he himself was supposed to represent. He extends a prayer of agreement, of blessing over her, that the prayer, the request that she asked of God, that it would be granted unto her. And afterwards, she leaves. She leaves the tabernacle entrance in peace. She has peace within herself. She has peace with her God. She has peace, peace with her circumstances. And she goes and she eats. You say, what, what's the big deal? You got to understand, she was so upset. She was so distraught that year after year, she would come and she couldn't even eat. Have you ever been so distraught that you had no appetite, that you couldn't eat, that you didn't want to see food, you didn't want to eat anything? She was that destroyed. But after coming away from this time of prayer, she no longer has a sad continence. She no longer has a lost appetite. She goes and she eats. Why? Because she took it to the Lord and she left it there. Oh, God, help us to learn how to take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. 
there's a significant contrast between the Hannah, a man who comes to the door of the tabernacle, and the Hannah that leaves. The Hannah that stood at the door of the tabernacle is so despondent she can't even eat. But the Hannah who emerges from God's presence is full of hope and confidence. Even though her circumstances have not yet changed, she's found the peace that passes all understanding. She's found the peace of God, a peace that leaves her buoyant and capable. I can go home now. I can face my rival. I can deal with my adversary. I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. By all appearances, Hannah had every reason to be bitter. She was incapable of bearing children at a time in history, in a culture where bearing children was expected and seen as the favor of God. She was repeatedly ridiculed and mocked by Panina. Her husband was unable to comfort her. Aren't I just as good to you as ten sons? And Eli, the high priest, the spiritual leader, mistook her motives and scolded her inappropriately for being drunk. Well, yes, she had every reason to be bitter. She could have threw in the towel. She could have given up. She was worn out from the weight. Have you ever felt like giving up? Have you ever felt like I'm done, I'm through? I've waited long enough. I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm out. And something rises up within you. That wheel begins to turn within you and hope begins to revive. Why? Why can they sung it today? Hope is alive because Jesus is alive. And somehow the Holy Spirit, he begins to remind you of the God who blessed you and provided for you and protected you in the past is the same God today. Is there anything too hard for God? And she tries again. And she comes away from that prayer time with a, with a countenance that has been lifted. Rather than giving in to her emotions and giving in to her uh, this, this, this feeling of, of hopelessness, she lets her circumstances drive her to prayer and drive her to faith in God. Her prayer and her vow exemplify the persistence and tenacity kind of faith tenacious kind of faith, stubborn faith. Thank God for those mothers who have been persistent and tenacious kinds of women in their prayers, in their faith, who hold, held on to the horns of the altar, who refused to let you go, who held you up in prayer who refused to give up on you, who prayed you out of, amen, off the road to hell. Thank God for them. The chapter reveals a quick answer to Hannah's prayer. Scripture says that after they return, after they worship that morning, they return home. 
and she and her husband made love to one another. And the scripture says, well, I tell you this, the Bible, the, the Hebrew word for laid with is new. Adam knew his wife Eve. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah. Her husband knew her and the Lord remembered her. Which means, it doesn't mean that the Lord forgot her. It simply means that the Lord's memory is consistent with his promises. And that because he's consistent with his promises, he will take action. Because the Lord does not forget. Simply the language of God's faithfulness when confronted with the earnest need and prayer of his people. Hannah, in Hannah's naming the child Samuel, she is emphasizing her confidence in God's faithfulness to answer prayer. Aren't you glad that God answers prayer? Aren't you glad that God hears you? Aren't you glad that you have a testimony that God is faithful, that God will, God is faithful to his promises? Somebody said he may not come when you want him, but he's on time. A year passes since the family has last visited Shiloh. During that, that um, span of time, Hannah conceives in her womb and she gives birth to a son whom she names Samuel. The next time the family travels the 14 miles from where they are to Shiloh, Hannah decides not to accompany her husband and his family at this annual feast. She will not expose her newborn child to what would have been a grueling journey. You got to understand there are no trains, there are no cars, there are no horses. At best, they have a donkey or a camel. You got to understand there are no paved roads. These are mountainous, hilly countryside. The only way, the only thing that you can see that would be even close to a road is the trail that has been worn down because of other travelers. They would have traveled almost eight hours in the grueling heat with children to feed. Diapers to change. No restrooms along the way. No oasis along the way. It was a grueling, tiring journey that Elkanah had promised and made a vow that he would make annually. But Hannah was under no compulsion by God to make the journey. But she was faithful to her husband. She was faithful to worship with him. But as she has this child, she says, I'm not going to go. She's going to stay home. She's going to raise her child. She's going to teach him. She's going to pray with him. She's going to sing to him the Lord's songs. She's going to speak into him and over his life what his future will be. She's going to prepare him for life. 
as a faithful, loving servant of God. She will not attend the annual feast until the child is old enough and weaned to live in Shiloh permanently. When the child is eventually weaned off of nursing, she nurses the child, and when the child is weaned, she takes him, amen, to the, to the next annual feast in Shiloh and worships Yahweh in gratitude for his gracious gift. And as she is there, she reminds Eli the high priest that I'm the woman. I'm the woman who prayed at the door of the tabernacle. I'm the woman who you accused of being drunk. I'm the woman that prayed for a child and God answered. And she confesses publicly in that place that God answered her prayer. Hannah would go on to have at least five more children. 1 Samuel 2.21 says that she would have three sons and two daughters. you got to understand that um, after um, this big accusation of Eli, every time he saw Elkanah and Hannah, every time he saw them from, every, from then on, he would bless them. He, every year, he would see them coming, and he would say, y'all come here, come here, come here. And he would pray, the Lord, may the Lord give you children, more children, by this woman to replace the child that she gave to the Lord. He'd pray over her, Lord, give her more, give them more children to replace the child that she gave to the Lord. The next year, Lord, Bless this husband to have more children by this woman to replace the child she gave to the Lord. I can imagine that if she's having a child every year, that one year she comes and, and she, she gets to Eli and says, listen, Eli, please, please stop praying. We're done. <laughs> I can remember Dr. Shepherd, Dad Shepherd. We had our three daughters, and um, we, we thought we were through. We thought we were done. Um, but he was praying that God would give us a son. And I can remember, my wife will tell you that um, we were celebrating. We were celebrating a, a pastoral anniversary, and, and he was the speaker, and he came in, or I think he was a speaker, or he was just a guest there, and he came up to her, and he looked at her, and this is like um, almost five years after our last child, and we think we are through. We've already said it's okay. We love our girls. And he looked at her and says, you're pregnant. She must, I can, can you imagine the look on Lady D's face? You're pregnant. And I think he told her that she was going to have a, I don't, did he tell you you were going to have a son? Told her she was going to have a son. Isn't God good? Well, we've got a son. He's a strapping young man, taller than me. 
weighs more than me. <laughs> He'll be getting married this year. God is so good. God is so gracious. But I want to tell you something. We are not, we were after that fourth child. We were not looking for any other children. We wanted, we, we could tell uh, Dr. Shepherd, Dad Shepherd, you could, don't pray no more. Don't, don't ask God to give us no more. We're done. I can imagine that's what Hannah did. Amen. And so she has at least five children. And in that next chapter, in chapter 2, she begins to sing her praise unto the Lord. In verse 2 of chapter 2, she says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. In verse 5, she says, She who was barren has borne seven children. Not that she had seven children. It's poetic. It's the number of completion. She says, she who has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. In verse 6, she says, the Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts from the ash heap. He sits them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor for the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. Upon them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of all saints. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Then I read in Zechariah 4, 6, the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might. Nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Thank God for a woman's example, a model of a godly mother in Hannah. Three things I want to take, share with you about Hannah's example, and then, amen, I'm going to let you go. Three traits of a godly mother that Hannah models for us. Number one, Hannah was a woman of prayer. She knew, she knew that her husband was not the source of children. I know, brothers, you think you got it all together, but listen, you are not the source of life. You are not the source of children. God is. Every child that has ever been conceived in the world is a gift from God. No matter how they were conceived, Hannah knew that children were the heritage of the Lord, and she desperately wanted God's gift for her. And so she prayed earnestly. She prayed, she prayed passionately. I want to give, on this Mother's Day, I want to say thank you, God, for Mother's Prayer. Thank you, God, for Grandma's Prayer. You have folks in your line that have prayed for you that you never met, they never met you, but they called you out to God. Thank God. Amen. I remember the testimony of Helen Baylor. If you ever get a chance, listen to her testimony. Google it. Go to my Facebook page and you'll see it there. She talks about her experience. She was raised in the church. She was brought to church by her grandma, but her mother and her father took her to the clubs. 
And she talks about how her life began to spiral downward till she was on drugs and was living a loose life. But she, she, her testimony says, but I had a praying grandmother. <laughs> Thank God for those praying grandmothers. The reason why you're still alive, the reason why you're still living and breathing is because somebody's prayers, God is hearing on your behalf. Hannah was a woman of prayer. The second trait that we see from Hannah's life as a godly mother is that Hannah was a woman of faith. She had a believing husband, a worshiping husband, who went to Shiloh each year when it was required, which would have been, been about three times a year. She didn't have to go. It was the men who were, by command, required to appear before the Lord. But Hannah made the journey despite not having to go, despite her rival, despite the irritation that she would be exposed to, and she went and worshipped with her husband. We also see her great faith. After praying and receiving Eli's blessing, she went her way and she ate something. Her face is no longer downcast. She believes God, that God is going to answer her prayer, and she went away and ate, no longer in anguish. She came to God. She worshiped, she wept, she prayed, she believed, and she went away believing. Thank God, thank God for those women of faith, those mothers of faith, those grandmothers of faith who lived out their faith as they journeyed through this life, who, who laid a path of faith, a legacy, an example for us. Thank God for their consistent faith, the consistent faith of fathers who lived in such a way that their wives wanted to travel with them even through difficult days. Amen. Brothers, you ought to live a life that your wife wants to go with you, wants to be with you, wants to travel with you. She wanted to be with her husband. She was a woman of faith. She kept a promise. After, amen, the boy was weaned, she took the boy and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. This is the child I prayed for, and the Lord has granted me what I asked. And so now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. Thank God for those women in our lives who are women of faith, who keep their promise. Thank God for promise-keeping women who do what they say they're going to do. If it be known, most ministries, most ministries in the African-American context have been started, sustained, and supported because of the many women who kept their promise they made to the Lord. I find it interesting that it wasn't when Hannah had Samuel, that we read a record that she rejoiced. 
I find it interesting that we don't read anything about how excited she was when she found herself with child. And I'm sure she was excited. I'm sure she was happy. I'm sure she gave thanks, but we don't have a record of it. The record that we have is her breaking out in prayerful song when she has fulfilled her promise to the Lord to give her child to God. Can you imagine how painful it must have been for her to turn her firstborn child over to Eli? She would only see him three times a year. And every time at the year, she'd bring him a new robe. He would have been about four years old when she brought him to Eli. And yet she believes God. She is such a woman of faith, such a woman of prayer, that she rejoices in the fulfillment of her vow. She's prayed over this child. She's sung over there. She has spoken to this child. She has, she has made a, a child's ephod, a priestly ephod for the child to let him know you're going to be a servant of God for the rest of your life. She told that child who he was. And then Eli would be responsible to train him how to serve God, even though he failed to train his own son. I want to challenge the women and mothers who are listening to me right now. Strive in all that you do. Live up to the Lord's expectations and desires for your life rather than the expectations of the culture. Use your gifts and abilities to bring glory to God. Remember that, um, that God has chosen you. He has only chosen women to bear children and bring forth a godly seed. A man cannot bear children. And anytime you see a man who's pregnant, it is not a man. May look like a man, may have a beard like a man, but if he's pregnant, he is a she. You don't need to compete or compare yourself to any other woman. Be who God designed you to be and live your life for his glory. Hannah was a woman of prayer. Hannah was a woman of faith. Hannah was a woman of integrity because she kept her promise. Remember who you are, and remember whose you are. Be who God designed you to be. Be a woman of prayer. Be a woman of faith. Be a woman of integrity. Trust God, believe God, and honor God. And remember, before you can give your children to the Lord, you must first give yourself to the Lord. You ask me how. It's as simple as ABC. A, admit that you are a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all come short of God's standard. We have all missed the mark. So admit that you're a sinner. Pray, bow your head and pray this prayer with me. 
Lord, I admit that I have sinned. I have tried to live my life on my own terms. Please forgive me. Simple as ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus paid for your sins on the cross. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love for us. He demonstrated his love for you in this. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Come on, pray this with me. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross. He died in my place for my sins out of love for me. Admit, believe, and then the see. Confess. Confess that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is risen from the dead as both Lord and Savior, and commit the rest of your life to him. Romans 10.9 says that if you declare with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and if you would believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Come on, pray this last part of the prayer with me. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus arose from the grave as Lord and right now I commit to live the rest of my life for him as a faithful and devoted follower. And right now, according to his promise, according to his word, I am saved. I am a child of God. Father, I thank you. I want to congratulate you. I want to welcome you to the family of God. I want you to let us know that you prayed that prayer. Let us know that you have that you become part of God's family. Call us. Call us at the church's number. Um, call 718-235-7886 and let us know. Tell us who you are. Tell us that you're part of the family. Leave your name and your contact information so that we can reach out to you, so that we can encourage you with prayer. You can also email us at admin admin at cog-eny.com. That's admin at cog-eny.com. And share your story with us. Leave your contact information. We want to be able to, to reach out to you and pray with you and send you some information that's going to help you to grow in the Lord. And now as we come to a close, to all of my sisters, especially mothers, Right where you are. Mothers, will you just stand there right where you are? Just stand up right there. I want to pray for you. I want to pray over you. Lord, these women who are standing before you now are mothers, expected mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, foster parents, stepmothers, spiritual mothers, godmothers, and mothers-to-be one day. Father, we thank you for what you have and will give them in the, 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 the gift of a child or children, sons and daughters. 
Lord, we know that the gift of a child is a precious gift. And as these women stand before you as somebody's present or future mom, I pray that each of them will know that you are, that they are the daughters of God and that they are loved by their father. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will flow through them and in them as disciples of Christ and that they would have a new sense of their importance, of who they are as mothers and as women of God. Lord, when the pressures of life and society seem too much for them to bear, when the heartaches of a mother's love seem too overwhelming, when things don't work out in the lives of their children the way they had hoped, let them hear your voice above all the noise of this culture speaking peace and encouraging them to trust you and obey you and watch you work things out for their good and for the good of their family. Help them to trust you with the things that are out of their hands but are firmly in your hands. I pray blessings on each of them. May the godly heritage that was handed down to them when they were given children remain potent in their children's children and their children's children for generations to come till the Lord's return to take us home. I ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Happy Mother's Day to you. I trust that you've been encouraged. I trust that we, we have challenged you and inspired you. to Follow the example of Hannah. Be a woman of prayer. Be a woman of faith. Be a woman of integrity. Thank you for joining us this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and tag us in your social stories at C-O-G-E-N-Y. Thank you to those who have given generously to this ministry in the past. And if you'd like to become a contributor, head over to cog-eny.com. That's cog-eny.com. And just click on the offering and donations tab. Again, thank you so much. Now God bless.